Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We've become the source for authenticity and exactitude here in Southeast Pennsylvania in the Delaware Valley. And it's because you've all identified our show as the guidepost for truth seekers everywhere in the Southeast Pennsylvania. You see, folks, The Point is the home of factualism. Thanks to all of you for tuning in today. We do have an action-packed show. We have one that will be coming at you very quickly at the speed of sound. And we're going to move seamlessly and transition seamlessly from topic to topic. So we're going to – we know that you'll keep up, and that's why you're with us. Uh, we'll also be discussing and we will be exposing some more media malpractice that's occurring on the fake news proper – propaganda fake news networks and and all this upheaval and turmoil that we're experiencing – Folks, uh, we are so proud that you've un- that you've turned into us, our show here, to unpack the truth in a way that does pack a punch. Well, I, I want to get to the polls a little bit again. I mean, we talk a lot about polls. And I think what's really interesting on all of this is we see, I mean, the actual polls and, and whatnot, but, and, you know, and what we're seeing, and I should say the actual polls and the fake polls. But you also have to look at, I believe, you have to look at the the people that, um, you know, the, the, the different parties, okay? For instance, you want to look at Trump, okay? You want to see Trump's rallies. His rallies are huge. Uh, he's doing two rallies a day, three rallies a day. Uh, you know, he's drawing tens of thousands to his rallies. And then you and he's got a lot of spring in his step. And, uh, you know, he feels good about what he's seeing, about what he's doing, as he points out, he's running against the worst candidate that ever ran for president. It puts a lot of pressure on him, as he jokingly says, but it also uh, gives him the confidence that people aren't going to the people aren't going to vote for someone who. And I mean, I'm saying this, this isn't something that Trump said, but I'm saying it, that I don't believe the people are going to vote for someone that has the onset of something going on with their with their mental c- capacity. And I just want to point that out, folks. I mean, what we're seeing in uh, with, with Joe Biden is unbelievable. You know, people don't even realize Joe Biden was endorsed by the uh, by the Communist Party. And people don't even get that. I think that's just amazing. It's an amazing factoid that people don't seem to get. The, you know, the Communist Party is a uh, is, is endorsed Biden. Now, when you go back, I believe it was back in early August, we saw, for instance, there was a uh, an article that was in Breitbart, and it was a, uh, and I, I reported on it then, but the founder and leader of the revolutionary Communist Party USA, the leader, Bob Avakian, endorsed Biden. It was back, I want to say, early August, August 2nd, somewhere in there. This never made the news, so we're reporting it here on our show. Communist Party USA endorses Biden in the Harris ticket. Folks, that's 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 the type of leader that the communists want. I mean, this is evidence-based proof that Joe Biden will be a Trojan horse for these people. I mean, I, you know, we've been saying it on this show. We've been calling it out. But make no mistake about it. Joe Biden is a very willing Trojan horse. But I mean, when you look at the actual polls, you see Trump leading. His approval numbers are up around 50, 53 percent. He's up through the roof with Republicans. Uh, 
Also, to uh, you know, not ninety six percent, ninety four percent with Republicans. Fifty on a Gallup poll, fifty six percent of likely voters feel they're better off today than they were four years ago. And there are, you know, and and there's no better. Uh, I should say, there's no greater contrasting position than what we see right now between Biden and, and Trump. There really isn't. I mean, there really, really isn't. I think when you when you look at what's going on right now, for instance. I mean, you've got one one guy that supports the police, Donald Trump, and one guy that wants to defund the police. You got one that supports our Second Amendment rights, and you got one that wants to tax us into a tax us out of our rights, basically raise taxes on 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 uh, components of of uh, firearms and so forth, like ammunition and so forth. Uh, raise taxes so much that people it makes it cost not cost effective, not cost possible for people. To, to own firearms. That's what they do. They just tax you out. I think it was a, uh, it was, um, oh, it was uh, Karl Marx made a comment once. He said uh, in his manifesto, Marx's manifesto, he made a comment in there. He said, because uh, someone asked him, uh, how do you, how do you take away property rights? I mean, you just can't go in and do that. And he said, well, you don't take it away. You tax it. You make it so cost prohibitive for them to own property, then they don't own it. And I guess that's the that's the goal the Democrats have for, oh, that's their way of, of of taking away Second Amendment rights. But anyway, you got Trump for border control, securing our borders, and you got one for open borders. Now, folks, I'm not making that up. I mean, Joe Biden has said that he wants to decriminalize border crossings, illegal border crossings. He wants to decriminalize them. He's also talked about just letting anybody stay who wants to stay. I mean, this is going to be a sanctuary country for him. Uh, we will have no borders. And with no borders, you just don't have a country. And anybody would say that. I mean, I believe Thomas Jefferson said that. Uh, you know, you got one that supports illegal immigration. And you have one that supports illegal immigration. As I just said, he wants to de- de- decriminalize illegal border crossings. You got one that wants higher taxes. You got one that wants to offer tax breaks. And I, I don't want to miss this. I mean, I have some statistics here on taxes that just that just took me took my breath away. I mean, for instance, you've got what Joe Biden wants to do is he wants to raise the corporate taxes. Now, Trump dropped the corporate taxes. Now, just to be clear, OK, um, our corporate taxes were in the mid 30s. OK, now uh, when Bill Clinton raised them, I believe he raised them to. 33% or something. But when he did that, Europe was right around 33%. So he basically raised them to where Europe was, you know, and uh, then what Europe did was drop their taxes and we stayed out. We left ours it's the same. I mean, that's what happened. We weren't trying to be competitive. So we, we got, we thought we were being smart by saying, let's get more corporate taxes. We have room because everyone else around the world has higher corporate taxes. So we raised ours to their level and they, and then they dropped theirs and we left ours up there. I mean, that's not very smart, is it? Well, I, I think all of our listeners here with a trained eye and a trained ear know that that's not very bright. So Donald Trump went in there and cut corporate taxes to 21%, which, I mean, arguably is too high. I mean, in one sense, it's, I mean, I think uh, uh, competitively around the world, I think it's around 24% and in, in some of these countries around the world. But but it is it is good, okay? It's It's a good start. Now, the income payroll taxes, this is one that I want to share with our listeners here. Currently, we're paying 37% of our payroll taxes 
uh, go to income, you know, income payroll taxes. 37% is what the government takes. The federal government. Uh, Joe Biden wants to raise that to 52% on income payroll taxes. 52%. From 37 to 52. Small business taxes. Now, small business pays a tax and Trump I think currently is it's at twenty nine point six percent. Again, that's pretty high when you think about it. It's uh, that's pretty high. Now, now uh, Joe Biden though wants to take that to near forty percent. So just in a time, I'm we're coming out of a COVID lockdown. We got all these economic flatten the economy shutdowns. All these small businesses need a boost, and Joe Biden wants to give him a boost with higher small business taxes. Again, it doesn't it's it's up is down and down is up, hot is cold. It's it's twisted logic. It doesn't make sense, folks, because it isn't sensible. Okay, it's downright destructive, and Joe Biden is all about it. But the media is not talking about this. This is what I'm saying. The media is not talking about what Joe Biden wants to do with corporate taxes or income payroll taxes or small business taxes. But here's another one dividend and capital gains taxes. Currently, they're at 23.8% under Trump. They were dropped to that. Joe Biden wants to get them back up over 43%. Folks, it's almost doubling the corporate gain, the, the, the capital gains and dividend taxes, almost doubling. Biden wants to about double it. Folks, that's another insane notion that they want to do. And this is where they're at. And, and you wonder, why isn't the media doing their part and talking about this? And, and I, I don't want to miss that. So when you're looking at taxes, don't miss that. Okay, when, when I say Biden's for higher taxes, I'm pointing out the fact that he wants to nearly double dividend capital gains taxes. He wants to raise small business taxes by about 35%. He wants to, you know, to, to, to 39.6%, near 40% as an actual percentage. He wants to raise income payroll taxes from 37% to 52%. So individuals pay nearly over half of their of their income into payroll taxes. And then, of course, he wants to raise corporate taxes. All of this is going to shut down the business world and, I guess, grind our economy to a halt. But again, that's their plan. Their plan is to build back a, an economy with windmills and solar panels. And, uh, of course, the initial solar panels will have to be imported from China because we don't really make them here. So we're going to have to give China all that export business um, because, after all, we're going to have to buy solar panels from them. OK, so I think that's uh, that's another iron, ironic point here. Higher taxes versus lower taxes. Trump is for lower taxes. And again, lower taxes spurs economic growth. It spurs more jobs. See, the Republicans idea of increasing uh, the tax revenue for the for the nation is to increase the workforce, increase the number of people paying taxes to give them a low tax break, if you will, but uh, to give them uh, to minimize their tax output, but to increase the number of taxpayers. And whereas Joe Biden wants to gouge the taxpayers by, by because he's not looking to increase the taxpayers, he just wants to gouge those that are currently paying taxes. You know, I want to bring it to you like this, folks. If you're in a retail business, if you're in a business, you're in some sort of a, you're selling widgets. It's some, let's kind of a, pr pretend this thing out here a little bit. If you own a business and whatever the service or product that you're selling, 
you know, you, there's two ways of increasing your, your revenue. You can either increase your customer base or you can increase the cost of your product or service. I mean, that's just about the bottom line. I mean, a conservative believes that your product and service have to be priced so that it's profitable for both the business and the customer. What Joe Biden's twisted logical world, his twisted world of his his twisted worldview of snuffing out middle class businesses, he's not looking for the transaction to be profitable for both the consumer and the business. He's looking to gouge the business and gouge the consumer. He's looking to gouge everybody. I mean, and it just doesn't make for growth. I mean, you don't businesses that are paying more to sustain their their existence do not expand. And because they're not expanding, they're not hiring. They're not they're not opening new subsidiaries. They're not growing. They're not they're not looking for ways of expanding their influence in the community or to expand their service to more customers. They're not looking at that at all. They're looking to merely survive under a hostile business environment. That's right, a hostile business environment that the the end the Democrat the the end America Democrats want to give us. So when we talk about again higher taxes, this is what it is. The Republican wants to add taxpayers that are paying a reasonable amount of taxes to sustain the government and the Democrat, the end America Democrats and Joe Biden. They just want to gouge the taxpayers and gouge the businesses, create an environment to where businesses cannot survive and people will not have the needed sustenance because there's no work. So they'll have to come to the government for the sustenance they need. Sounds a lot like Venezuela, folks, because that's what it is. That's socialism. And that's what happened in Venezuela. I mean, right now, they, 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 they can't buy basic subsidies. They can't buy basic necessities of life in Venezuela. Now, of course, because you have a weaker economy, a more slowly growing economy, you will have a weaker military because every military is, every strong military is contingent upon the strong economy that backs the cost of the military. So as any good communist knows, if he wants to take down a country He can infiltrate that country with a bunch of commies, a bunch of anti-nationalist type people who are okay with a globalist viewpoint to weaken the country's economy, to create jobs overseas, to basically lift all the rising tide all the way around the world, to lift all boats. It's funny how how the globalist believes in the rising tide lifting all boats around the world, but they don't believe it right here in this country. I think that's kind of a... I think that's kind of ironic as well. That's a distinct point to make. Uh, we hear Republicans make that a rising tide to make that discussion point. The rising tide lifts all boats, and the socialist and America Democrat will say something like, uh, well, rising tide lifts all boats in a globalist economy, but in this country, we just need to gouge everybody. <laughs> I guess like this, that's their thought process. But in any country around the world that's had a military that was – strong enough so people wouldn't mess with it, okay? Uh, they had a very strong economy. Successful civilizations were economic powerhouses in their time here on planet Earth. And to take down a civilization, you must first take down their economy. 
So if you can get enough people to promote some corrupt, twisted, knucklehead idea of uh, of the Democrats' globalist viewpoint, creating jobs in China somehow, somehow is going to help us here. Uh, if you can convince people to buy into that, that that crazy philosophy, then you you can help sink the country's economy, which is, I think, what's happening with the Democrats. The Democrats bought into some 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 viewpoint that is not pro-American, and that's how come, and that's why, make America first, in fact, are fighting words with some people in this country. It's an amazing phenomenon. But also, too, regulations. I think what's interesting is how Trump eliminated so many regulations. He came in place, he came into presidency, he promised to reduce regulations, and he did it. He promised to create a stronger military, and he did it. He promised to promote tax breaks, and he did it. He promised border control and and getting control over the illegal immigration crossing the border, and he did it. He promised to build a wall, and he did it. He promised to promote and protect our Second Amendment rights, and he did it. He he supports, he promised, uh, obviously, to support legislation to let babies live, okay, and he's done that. He's the only president that spoke to the March for Life rally in Washington. I think that's interesting. But when you look as well on voter ID laws, uh, a cheater does not want any kind of voter ID laws. A purist on elections does. When you are a purist and for election cycles and you want to protect the voters and you want to protect the sanctity of the vote and the sanctity of the election, you, you want to eliminate fraud. You want to eliminate, you, you want to eliminate the chain of custody breaks within the vote itself. And then, of course, you want to promote voter ID laws. The Democrats want anyone to vote. They want vote harvesting. They want everything possible to make it easier to cheat. Now, folks, <clears throat> that's a fact. And if you just look at their at, at, at the voting rules that the Republicans support versus the lack of rules that the Democrats support, you got to ask yourself, why do the Democrats promote a voting process with laxed rules? And then when you sit there and you stipulate the rules, well, the, I should say the, the, the openness, I should say the, the ease of which they want to promote a vote. I mean, they don't, they don't want to require signatures. I mean, just look at, just look at, let's just look at that. California. California has no in-person voting. California strictly mailing. California mails ballots, not applications for absentee ballots, but actual ballots to registered voters. Now, the problem with this, it's very simply explained here, and we're going to explain it very distinctly right here on 1180 WFYL, right here on our station, right on our show, very distinctly. It's easy to understand, it's very easy to explain why this is a problem. Because when you have a an address in a particular city that's had five people living there in the last 10 years, if they were all registered voters, then you will have five people on the voting rolls in a particular city, in a particular state, five different people at a particular address. So when you're sending ballots out just to every registered voter, that means a particular address will get five different ballots sent to it. Now, we've all heard the stories. We've all heard the stories 
on people getting multiple ballots that weren't the correct ballots. Well, this is what's happening. And in states like California, they've so opened up, uh, they basically so opened up the voting process to where there's no regulations. Is there's They have every break and chain of custody possible, okay, for the votes. I mean, they, they offer up every chain of custody break possible. They do it. And that's why they have crazy voting rules. I mean, that's why in states like New York as well, where they have chain of custody problems, that you've had so many problems with the ballots, they just couldn't get the counts right. Look at Iowa. Look at the Iowa Democrats. They couldn't get the counts right in the primary. They're still counting those ballots. Voter ID rules are so important. You've got to have rules with voting. As a Republican, I believe it, and I think most Americans believe it. Most Americans don't want to allow cheating because it it weakens their vote. It dilutes their vote. Because some cheaters out there mailing in four, five, six ballots. So, again, with voting voter ID laws, the Republicans are supportive of that. And the Democrats aren't. And, and also, too, again, the legislative appointments that these, that these liberals make, don't miss that as well. The Democrats, the end America Democrats, are looking for legislative appointments that will help them enforce public policy that the public doesn't want. You see, the way that the country was designed and, de- and defined and started was we have we have the House and then we have the legislature. Basically, they, they bring bills up that they believe people want to see in public policy. And because they network it to, to through the voter and through the electorate, they get the support for the public policy and then they vote for it and it becomes the law. The way the liberal thinks is they can't convince anyone of their crazy notions for public policy. So their only way that they can get public policy through that is crazy public policy is through activist judges. They basically bypass the legislative process. That is what they're so apoplectic about with Amy Coney Barrett, because the Supreme Court now has been lost to them for the next 20 or 30 years. This is what they know. And if they lose this election cycle, they could lose another court justice or two certainly one more in the next four years. And they know this. And they're like looking at their situations pretty dire in the courts, okay? Another four years of Trump would mean hundreds of more federal appointments as well as another Supreme Court justice. And they're looking at their their hold on the courts gone. And they're only, and, and they're general in the fight. Their leader in the fight is a man that has the onset of dementia. I mean, that's their leader in the fight, Joe Biden, who doesn't remember Mitt, Rom- Mitt Romney's name, doesn't remember it. He doesn't. He he's forgotten on several occasions that he's running for president, not Senate. And he consistently does not call out where he is consistently when he's in a when he's in a, a, a an, an event. He, he oftentimes uh, fails to remember where he's at. I mean, this is a fella who loses himself in thought. Way too often. I mean, that's their leader in the fight to preserve the courts and preserve their 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 end America twisted notions. That's their leader in the fight, and that's what's really got them concerned. So you're looking at this, you're like, so why are they doing this? Why do you see all these fake polls out there? Why are they doing this with the polling? 
I mean, they've got polls out there that show Biden up by 10 points, 15 points. And, and, and do you see them acting in ways that are consistent with people that believe they're going to win? Okay, now, if, if, if Trump was up by 10 or 15 points, you can believe that I'd be very confident. And, and, and obviously, I'd be out there. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, my behavior and my actions that I'd be taking running a campaign would reflect the fact of my confidence. Okay. Now, of course, they get the inside numbers and all. Don't miss that. But it's very apparent that Trump's very confident in his actual polling and that he's very confident that the numbers he sees from the fake news obviously aren't real. And he's thirdly very confident that, that the American public doesn't trust those polls either. And he's making his case very well. The only, the only way that the left can fight us at this point is to create these fake polls. And I'm going to illustrate it again this way. I've done this a few times. Our frequent listeners will remember this. But I'll share it with you anyway. When Winston Churchill was fighting to preserve and protect England against the Nazi invasion, he had nothing left to fight him with. They lost everything at Dunkirk. Uh, there was nothing left of fighting uh, Germany off, and, and Hitler was literally contemplating a beach landing on, on England to go in there with troops and whatnot to get in there and, and take England. And uh, Winston Churchill was absolutely beside himself, so he went up there and, and he had uh, some sort of a notion to build to build pretend wooden tanks and guns and whatnot. He literally put fake guns on the white cliffs of Dover so that it would look to the Germans that were looking across the English Channel that there were tanks and big guns on the on the beaches that guard their shores against an invasion. And, and that action he took actually delayed Hitler long enough for the for the uh, for the Brits to get the needed uh, munitions they needed to actually defend their country. So Hitler uh, was put off just long enough. But one thing is for sure, the Brits never, ever believed that those pretend guns were real guns at any point. <laughs> they just never did, okay? Well, it's kind of like the same thing with these poles. I mean, these poles are the fake guns on the White Cliffs of Dover. And these poles are not to be looked at by the candidates as actually real. Now, sometimes people fall into them. I mean, they're, they're wish casting that maybe they can convince enough people. The problem they're going to run into is love for a candidate versus no love for the candidate. The problem they're running into is when you look at people, I mean, a person may say, I don't like Trump. I, I don't like him. I mean, the favorable ratings are a lot of it's reflective of, do you like somebody? When you have a favorable opinion of them, it's because you like them. Favorable opinions are generally based on feelings, not not facts, okay? For instance, you may like someone because you they, they come across as a friendly, affable person. Or someone that, you know, you just like them. They like their demeanor, whatever it is. But the effectiveness of that person, obviously, uh, may not be the measure of that, of, of, of your, you know, of your, of like for, for your liking them. What's for sure is this. <clears throat> when people go vote in November, <clears throat> they're going to be voting for someone. What's going to drive them to the polls more than anything is their love for the candidate. Trump has a beloved following. This is going to be a turnout election. The Republicans are going to come out in record numbers. We know this. The Democrats do not have a beloved endearment for Joe Biden. They just don't. And they certainly don't have it for Kamala Harris. They don't have it for her at all. 
They just have a disdain for, for Trump. And when you actually look at the Democrats and the percentage of Democrats that actually hate Trump. Now, there's not any real poll on this because it's not a poll that people would want to, you know, take. But I mean, my my submit to my, but my my submission to you is that the amount of Democrats, the number of Democrats that actually hate Trump, is probably very low. I mean, thirty percent, twenty five percent, who knows? Okay, that actually hate him with a passion. You're probably going to have that many more, and then again, some. You might have thirty or forty percent of Democrats, maybe maybe fifty percent, who just don't like him. And then you're going to have a small number, maybe 20% or so, that are okay with them. So whatever the case is, people that actually hate Trump with a passion are going to come vote. But people that just don't like him, well, they may have something else come up that day and they may not get to vote. They're not going to be driven to the polls by any real passion to vote. You follow, folks? They're not going to be driven to the polls by any real passionate emotion. They'll be driven to the polls by a civics duty, if you will, a sense of duty. So that kind of a turnout generally will be blunted. So instead of a 75% turnout, the Democrats may end up with a 65% turnout. And that is not going to help them if the Republicans turn out to 80%. So my point to you is this is where we're at. And I just want you to understand passion is a very important, distinct point to make here. And when you look at these polls and you understand, you know, because they always show the approval ratings, okay? Trump's always around 50% or just under maybe 48, 49% on on some Rasmussen poll tracking polls that I've seen, which is right around where Barack Hussein Obama was in 2012. It's within a point or so of that, maybe two. So, which is fine, okay? He's within a point or two of Barack Hussein Obama, and Obama won handily. But what you have to understand is that when Mitt Romney ran, he too had a turnout problem. Nobody really loved the guy. He didn't have a beloved following that came out to vote for him. It wasn't like a lot of emotion. We remember that election in 2012. As Republicans, we remember it. And anybody that's listening to our show today in Southeast Pennsylvania that, well, voted for Romney uh, in 2012 can attest to what I'm saying right now. There was no major driving force to push out Miss Romney, uh, to push for Mitt Romney uh, at the at the polls. So people just came out and voted. There was a lot more enthusiasm for, for Barack Obama. We know this now, and these are things that we know, and we get this from the, you know, just from different polling. But we also get this because we see it on the ground. Well, folks, we know the result of that election was Barack Hussein Obama winning the election. Okay, and Willard Romney didn't because the turnout wasn't that high. This is kind of where I think this is going on this election cycle. And I want to encourage all of our listeners. The enthusiasm is what drives out the voters. When the enthusiasm is as low as it is for, for Joe Biden, when he's their standard bearer to preserve their liberal justices, they got real problems. So they're going to have to build some cardboard tanks and put them on the White Cliffs of Dover to full voters. And here come the fake polls. Folks, they're fake. They're just phony polls because there's a huge disconnect. And the reasons I say this more than anything else is the disconnect that I see. Again, enthusiasm being a big one. Another disconnect is what you see at the Trump rallies and the people there, the beloved 
turnout for Trump, which again validates the enthusiasm. It, it's an underlying supportive, supportive fact that supports the theory, that supports the fact too that the evidence is evidence that supports the theory that there's a lot of enthusiasm for Trump. So if you're looking to com- if you're looking to convict Trump of having high enthusiasm, you would point to the rallies. And you would point to the to that to bolster your notion that that the enthusiasm's high. Look at the rally turnouts. Look at the people that are out there for hours and hours to get in line. Look at the tens of thousands that show up for an airport hangar. Not thousands, tens of thousands. I think GW turned into Reading one time when he was in Reading back in 2000. I believe there was two or three thousand there. I mean, if, if Trump went into Reading, it'd be five times that, ten times that. Certainly, certainly five to ten times, you know, seven, eight times. Trump would be out there with nearly 20,000 people. That's enthusiasm. That's people looking to stand in line, crawl through broken glass, walk across hot coals, whatever, to vote for the president. Biden doesn't have that. And that's what they know. So there's a and when you look at them and then and now 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 that I've explained that point to you, let's take it to a different dimension. Let's shift gears here and transition to this idea. Look at what happened to Nancy Pelosi when she was on CNN with Wolf Blitzer. And look what happened there, okay, where she actually got into a spat with Wolf Blitzer, calling him uh, some sort of a apologist for Republicans or something like Wolf Blitzer is not that. But she was angry because Blitzer was trying her. See, Democrats are pleading with Pelosi to make a deal and she doesn't want to make a deal because she's afraid that Trump will get some more bolstering help and she's just not going to want to do that. She doesn't want to do it because it's going to help Trump. She hates him so much that it's eclipsed her duty to do what's right for suffering people. And as Wolf Blitzer pointed out to her, I see people suffering. They need money and you're holding up a bill because you don't want the president to be able to claim a victory here. And she even made a notion. If you look, if you listen to the interview, she said, because she didn't want to do it because she didn't want the president to be able to put a check out with his name on it. I mean, really, folks, this is where she is. OK, and then she had the nerve and I mean, unbelievable gall to turn around and say to um, to say to Wolf Blitzer that he doesn't understand suffering people like she does, because after all, she was elected to understand what suffering is. So she's the elected person that, so she's more qualified to understand suffering better than Wolf. Now, both of these people, to me, are two peas in a pod. They're both they're both supportive of the deep state. But what's interesting is they're turning on each other. That's kind of where I'm going with this. They're, they're starting to devour each other because they realize they're not winning. They're both looking at the paper tanks on the White Cliffs of Dover. They're both looking at the fake polls. And they're getting into a spat on TV. Wolf Blitzer says, do something to show that the Democrats care about people, for crying out loud. And listen to your listen to your 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 constituents, but listen to your people, to people that are in your chamber in, in the House chamber, the Democrats are, that are pleading with you to get something done to help them win their reelection. That's what Wolf Blitzer's. Well, that's what he's intimating. That's what he's that's what's driving the conversation. And then, of course, she spurs back at him that she doesn't want to give the president any boost on anything. 
So they're getting into this back and forth on each other because they're driven by the notion that they know those poles are fake. They know those guns are phony on the White Cliffs of Dover. And uh, they're trying to convince people of different. So that the actions that they're having, that little spat that you're seeing, is evidence of people that really aren't very confident they're going to win. And I think, too, when you look at the, uh, you know, the Trump rallies, Trump's very confident. He's out there doing what he does. He's, he's just got a lot of energy, a lot of spring in the step. Again, that is behavior of someone that understands that they're looking pretty good in the polls in their own polling numbers. Now, I'm not saying that the fake polls aren't hurting Trump. I think if the polls were real, if the media was doing their job, if the media was asking questions, I mean, genuine questions about the about the Democrat agenda, if the media was actually concerned about what the Democrats had in store for this country, if the media was asking Joe Biden about his feelings on eliminating ICE, on, on favored nation status for China, I mean, did he support it? If the media actually asked him about eliminating border walls and decriminalizing illegal border crossings, if the media was to ask him about getting rid of cash bails, if the media was to actually ask them about getting rid of gang databases or sanctuary city policy, if, if, if Biden wanted to continue that policy, if the media was to get into actually asking Joe Biden about how Obamacare and the goal of Obamacare was to eliminate private health care, and that, that is because President Barack Hussein Obama told that to the SCIU union back in 2009, that this is the first step in a, in a, in a long travel road to eliminate private health care. He said it to the union members. This was their plan. I'm saying this. See, I'm, I'm saying this to you folks because I'm believing them when they say that they want to get rid of private health care. I believe them. You should, too. Take them at their word. They want to get rid of private health care. The media should cite those statements and then bring it back to Joe Biden and say, where are you on this? And catch Joe Biden and his contradictions. That's what they should do, but they're not. If they were actually committing acts of journalism, that's what they'd be doing. But they're not. The media should be asking Joe Biden about voting rights for felons or lowering the voting age. After all, these were topics, folks, that were discussed in the Democrat debates. He needs to bring them back up. We need to be talking about stacking the Supreme Court and how they could dilute the Electoral College or get rid of it. What, what is his plan for that? You see, folks, if the media was going to ask if they were going to commit an act of journalism and actually do their job, they would get into this tax structure, this tax policy that Biden has in store that we talked about earlier. Or the media would actually talk about Kamala Harris signing on as a senator, signing on and sponsoring, if you will, the Green New Deal in the Senate. She signed on to it. So Joe Biden would have to talk about that in the sense that, well, where are you on this? And he'd have to make a definitive stand as to where he was. If the media was doing their job, but they're not, that's the point I'm trying to make. So because the media is avoiding that, because the media is avoiding those pointed points, 
you don't see the polls, the real polls. I should say, you don't see the, and, and because they're doing that and they're also putting out fake polls and fake information, it's, it's thwarting, it's, it's blunting Trump's enthusiasm. I shouldn't say his enthusiasm, but it's blunting the support he'll get from other people. It really does blunt it. I mean, instead of getting, you know, 53% or 54%, he'll get, you know, 48, 49%. It just does blunt it. It does, it does, it blunts it. Look, Trump said, like I said, folks, what I was saying earlier, Trump said he was going to come in and and protect Second Amendment rights. He said that he would appoint justices to do that and to support life and conservative principles. And he's done that. He said he'd secure the border. He's done that. He said he'd offer tax breaks. He did it. He said he'd offer a stronger military. He did it. He said he'd give small business a break, and he did it. He said he would support the working class, okay, with more jobs in an environment to where pay scales would actually increase through competitive businesses. And he did it. I mean, look what happened with our economy. We had blue-collar job wage growth growing for the first time in 20, 30 years. And it was growing at a faster clip, actually, than white-collar wages were. That's a fact, folks. That's a fact. Check it out. I mean, he prom- he promised smaller government, and he he de- he de- he delivered. Okay, he he promised less control and fewer mandates, and and and, and he did. He delivered it. And you know, I mean, Trump truly delivered on what he promised to do. And the Trump economy, don't miss that. I mean, the Trump economy was unbelievable. He said he'd move the Jerusalem to to. Uh, embassy to, to Jerusalem, and he did it. He said he'd get out of the Iran deal, and he did it. But when you look at actually what he did do, and you look at, I mean, the consumer confidence at an all-time high, gas prices down for the lowest level in 20 years, the U.S. being a number one oil producer in the world, wages increasing for the first time in years, years, folks, years. I mean, better trade deals. He delivered on all that stuff. The people see that. There's a reason that the people of this country, when they were asked the question, do you feel better off today than you were four years ago? During a pandemic, you would think that would come in at 35, 40%. It came in at 56%. And it was at a high of 61. It came down a little because of the pandemic. But make no mistake, at 56%, it's still the highest number recorded. People actually feel better about their condition and where they're at. Don't miss that, folks. Don't miss it. You know, there's there's a when you look at the problem with the with the paper polls, the paper tigers, if you will, the paper guns, the fake polls. That I you know again, I can explain it to you this way. There's a couple of ways of looking at different polls, okay? And it's how they present the poll. It's how they take the poll. There's a lot of ways they can fudge a poll. There's a lot of ways they can skew it. Or there's a lot of ways they can skew it. But one thing is for sure, these Democrats, these end America Democrats, these socialists don't see it. I mean, when I'm, when I'm holding up four fingers, they're telling me there's five there, folks. They don't understand all the ways, and the polling companies really don't get it. But they're, I don't think they're trying to get it. But they're, they're, they should be trying to calibrate what it is about Trump's support and what it is that Trump 
supporters like about Trump. And they're just not doing that. But I believe that the, the issue that the polls, the thing that the polls can do, the easiest thing they can do to skew the numbers is by leaving out and not calibrating increased voter registrations, okay, which are running strongly for Republicans, percentage-wise, with recently registered voters than the Democrats are. I mean, in all the battleground states. See, they're not factoring that in there. But they're not trying to get the polls right. I want to make sure we point that out. Their goal is to skew the poll. Their goal is to confuse the public. Their goal is to try to blunt Trump's enthusiasm. But we as Republicans and as Christians, we do believe that faith is what it is that activates God to move in our lives. And I believe believing is important. We have to know God's got his hands on things. And uh, I've said it before. I mean, I believe that, you know, Trump is strong. I mean, Trump's very strong. There's things I see that people don't because they're not looking for it. I mean, Trump's increased approval numbers with, you know, African-Americans and Hispanics. These are things the Democrats know. They've happened. It's happened. So all they got, all they have are the fake polls. That's all they got. All they have to, de to defend the homeland is paper guns. They're going to put them up there and hope, hope that Trump's support stays home. Hope that Trump's support doesn't come out to vote. Hope that their own people somehow are miraculously encouraged by fake polls and they come out and vote. Of course, overlooking, of course, overlooking the fact that no one's in love with Joe Biden. I mean, they got everything working against them, folks. Everything's working against the Democrats in this election cycle. Everything. And then to top it all off, they have these mail-in ballots. I mean, this is like the, the icing on the cake. But this is the thing that really has them in, in complete and utter, well, dog-eat-dog -dog mode. This is how they're turning on each other now and eating each other. This is where they're at, as evidenced by Nancy Pelosi and, and Wolf Blitzer. This is where they are today. You see, they know that these mail-in ballots are going to be a real problem. They know that there's going to be people that have to specifically process a mail-in ballot specifically correct for the ballot to count. They know that. But that wasn't their concern before. All they were trying to do was overwhelm the system and then bring it to the U.S. Supreme Court where they had Justice Roberts as the deciding vote who, who they thought, for some reason, they thought would rule on their side and count these ballots, although they did not meet the legal criteria of the state's election laws. In other words, the state's, the, the state, a U.S. Supreme Court would overrule the state's laws written by the state's people. That's what they were hoping for. And that's what they were banking on, the chaos on election day that would go to the U.S. Supreme Court and it would be be decided with the you know by by uh, by the court, but that's all gone now with Amy Coney Barrett now because Amy Coney Barrett is the trump card they weren't banking on. That's the that's the Joker in the deck they didn't plan on seeing, and I'll tell you that's got them concerned. So now they're out there saying, "Don't mail in your ballot. Don't don't mail in your ballot. Don't do it. Go vote in person. Go vote in person." But here in Pennsylvania. The voter actually has to take the, the ballot with them to the precinct. And the ballot is then taken to the precinct 
and the precinct then spoils the ballot so the ballot cannot be used. And then the precinct allows the, the voter, supposedly going to allow the voter, to go in and vote the machine. The problem with all of that is people have to bring the ballots. There's a there's a moving part there. There's a little hitch in it. A little hitch. The problem with a hitch, folks, is an added motion that can bring about a problem. Sort of like a baseball batter. A baseball batter that has a hitch in the swing. When a baseball batter is swinging at a, at a fastball and they have a slight hitch in the swing, that batter will miss the ball more often. He'll have more swings and misses and more pop-ups and more ground outs because he won't hit the ball squarely all the time. That little hitch in a swing makes his well makes his bat will hold it will hurt his batting average. It's going to hold his average down to a lower number than a guy that doesn't have a hitch in the swing. A hitch in a swing in a baseball batter is not good. Well, a hitch a, a hitch in a voting process is not good. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you've got a million mail-in ballots that are being processed, if just just five out of a hundred don't get you know don't get the vote because they don't bring the ballot with them to the precinct, so therefore they don't even get the vote. Well, what is that? That's fifty thousand votes, folks. That's what that is. That's just five in a hundred, and we both know, all of us know. Just let, let's just let's just do numbers here. Say half the people mail their ballots in, and the other half say, "I'm going to go vote in person." So then you have a half a million that go and vote in person, and of those half a million, just say one third failed to bring their ballot with them. Why don't we just say one fifth? One out of every five failed to bring the ballot with them. They go down there and they leave the ballot home. They can't find it. Whatever. So they attempt to go vote. Folks, it's a hundred thousand people that will not be able to vote outside of a provisional ballot. That's a lot. And then, of course, you have, in addition to that, the mail-in ballots of the other half a million that were mailed in. And we all know because mail system is very is basically uh, not perfect, we all get someone else's mail. It happens. So why don't we just say, for numbers' sake, that, say, 5% of the mail doesn't quite get there where it has to go, okay? Well, 5% of a half a million is 25,000 ballots. So 25,000 ballots don't even get to where it's got to be. So add another 25,000 to that. All right, now you can see how this is all adding up, okay? And then, of course, you're going to have a bunch of ballots that don't go in the right envelope or perhaps don't have the right postmark. Or how about how about this one? How What percentage of those half a million aren't signed? You see what happens, folks? What you're looking at is you're looking at a hitch in the process that can bring about, and there's a lot of different hitches, whether it's a ballot signature or a special envelope, or whether it's they have to bring the ballot with them to go vote in person, or they have to have the postmark, whatever it is, whatever the hitch is, it's going to hinder, it's going to hinder the result just a little bit. And when it all adds up, I think it could cost them a couple hundred thousand votes. Combine that, folks, combine that with the fact, combine that with the fact that we already have an increase in voter registrations here in Pennsylvania with newly registered voters in the last 12 months. We're ahead of them by almost 200,000. So when you combine that with the fact that they got this mail-in problem that they created, by the way, that's delicious. I see this as a Trump victory 
in Pennsylvania. I see it pretty solid. And I see this in all the other states because Trump's, because the Republican voter registration is higher in all those states percentage-wise in the D's, and they all have a mail-in system that was, and, and again, that the Democrats have been promoting that now they're trying to turn around the ship on a dime. They're trying to basically turn off of it because they realize now that they've made a huge mistake as any Amy Coney Barrett's going to present this as a problem. They know this. Folks, they're going to lose, they're going to lose tens of thousands of votes in all these states and they know it. And it's going to hurt them. So when I say folks, right will prevail, it's because the traps that they laid out, not only did we or Donald Trump sidestep the trap himself, but they fell into it themselves. The traps that they laid out, they laid, they fell into themselves. And that's delicious, folks. That truly is. You see, that's what the problem is with the mail-in system. That's the problem I think the Democrats are going to have on election night. And that's going to translate. Another, another indicator, by the way, and I meant to mention this, but I'm going to bring it up now, that the polls are phony and that the inside polls are the real numbers, by the way, and the inside polls show, them, show the candidates what's going on. The reason that I believe that Trump's actions match his inside polling numbers show him winning is because when he goes to these states, these candidates turn out with him. They're not running from him. He's going to the states. Not only is he having huge crowds, but these people are turning out with them. Why? Because of the huge crowds. And two, because Republican enthusiasm for him is through the roof, and they know it. They know it. And they all know these polls are a disconnect with what's happening on the ground. They know that, too. Now, there's a different belief as to why the polls are wrong. There are some people that think they're they're wrong because the polling company just can't get it right because they can't figure it out. I mean, you've got people out there that believe that they just can't get it right because they're not calibrating different things or they're they're just not they don't they can't calibrate the silent Trump voter and samplings. They just can't figure it out. I'm not one of those people, but there are people that actually believe that. So there are people like me that believe that this is deliberately put wrong. Then there's people that are out there that believe they're wrong because they just can't get it right. But either way, tomato, tomato, folks, they're still wrong. And people know they're wrong. And what's interesting is Charlie Cook, which is like one of the he's like one of the gold standards in in liberal circles and in the fake news media. He's one of those fake experts that they always rely on. I don't know why, because he's always wrong. But Charlie Cook, Nate Silver, they're all they're all the same. But he was out there, I guess, about a year ago. Rush pointed this out earlier in the week. Uh, <clears throat> Charlie Cook, right around October 13th or so in 2016, said uh, the Fox News poll that's coming out shows that Trump, it's all over for Trump. He's lost the election. He's uh, it's all done. It's all over. And of course, we know what happened in 2016. Not only was Charlie Cook wrong, but everybody was wrong, and Trump won. Well, here we are. We're gonna we're gonna rewatch that movie again because he now we're gonna replay the movie, and uh, here it goes. A Charlie Cook, oh, like to the same day, October fourteenth, <laughs> relatively the same day, twenty twenty. Charlie Cook saying it's all over for Trump. It's all over. So here we go again. Same movie replay. It's gonna have the same ending, folks. They know it. This is all they have. Charlie Cook and Nate Silverman, they're all the same. They're all out there putting out the support that these paper guns are actually real guns. 
They're trying to convince the public that they aren't pretend that we actually have guns to defend the homeland. We can fight off an invasion. Folks, they don't have real guns. Those are paper guns. And the biggest problem is that they believe that those guns, those fake guns, are actually real. The biggest problem they run into is happening right now, and it's happening before our eyes. We're seeing it, folks. The polls that they were putting out that they knew were phony when they were putting them out, and they had a plan as to why they were putting them out, they're now starting to think, some of the people are starting to think that maybe those folks, that maybe those fake polls are actually real polls. In other words, they're believing the lies that they're putting out there. Now, that's not everybody, but I think some people are. But I think they're, the real evidence that the majority of these liberals know that they're not winning is their actions don't reflect the actions of a winner. Their actions reflect the actions of a sore loser, anticipating a really big loss on Election Day. Well, folks, we're going to leave it there. We had a great, great time with you today. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for being with us every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Right here on this station, 1180 WFYL, right here in this place in southeast Pennsylvania, folks. Thanks for making us your guidepost for truth. Thanks for being with us. Tune in later today. We're going to be talking with Annette Baker later on today. We're going to have a great show lined up on The Watchmen, so tune in later today. At 4 p.m., I should say 1 p.m. for that, 1 p.m. for that. So thanks again for being with us, folks. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.